Oh, before we start the show, I'm just going to have to play this again for prosperity. A lot of love for that track. And uh, in answer to your text, Mark Chappell, oh, great, but will you play it in full? No. Uh, Don't look at me. I pressed a button and it appears. A lot of love, though. Tom. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, a show where we cover the last 7 to 10 days in the world of Apple news, reviews, rumours, roundup, gossip, tech, and, well, basically, anything else that catches our eye. This is the Essential Apple Podcast. Yes, hello again. We are back once again on a Sunday afternoon recording our pile of nonsense of a podcast, trying to bring some Apple news and stuff into your world. We've got no guy this week, um, probably because I forgot to invite him. Uh, and yeah, we had, um, we had a funny thing this week, Simon. I sent you that image from Apple News. Somehow, putting the words Apple, Apple revenue and income streams, we were in Apple News. And I kid you not, in the business section. Business section. Yes, excellent. eh? How to hit the big time. Talk about breaking the internet and learning a little bit more about um, Apple's, I was going to say Google search algorithm, but Apple's search algorithm. Who are you, Simon? What's been up? Uh, What's been happening with you this week? Anything exciting in the world of tech your way? Uh, No, not really. Nothing particularly special. Uh, Obviously, there's been this huge quote-unquote cyber attack, which we'll talk about in a bit, I'm sure, which isn't actually a cyber attack at all, but there we go. Other than that, uh, no, it's been a fairly normal week for me, really. I've still been trying to get to grips with my surface, and I've worked out what's been bugging me about it the last week. And it's not the lack of the pen itself, but what it is, when you've got the pen, and you hold it just above the screen, you get like a little circle sort of tracking target that follows you around. So when you hold it like one centimeter away, you can see where the pen is roughly going to tap when you tap the screen. That is a little bit laggy. It's noticeably laggy. If you go around the screen quite fast, the ink is fine, but that little dot that follows you that's what your eye line's attracted to, and that's what's been throwing me off the scent of, like, is there a bit more lag on the surface than there is on the iPad? Uh, but I have been finding uh, this week was actually a bit of a milestone because I actually want something with a pencil now or a pen because I've been doing a little bit of graphics work, and I mean very, very basic graphics work. In fact, it's not even graphics work. It was just me erasing round images just to try and tidy them up. And I was doing it on a mouse and it suddenly dawned on me that this would be a lot easier if I had something a little bit more precise. So um, I'm coming around to it. But the whole... Well, this this leads us on nicely from what you were saying. The whole app experience on the Windows Store, and in, indeed Windows itself, uh, you probably heard my Windows laptop go off in the back there. Ugh, I'm looking at you, Dell, making it impossible to do a recovery partition restore. I'm looking at you. <laughs> the um, I didn't realise until I started digging around for work just how, uh, what's the word, advert-laden 
Windows is. To give you an idea, it's that bad. When you click on the little pen with the squiggly icon on it, it will pop up a list of things you can do, like on a shortcut. So you can do uh, a sticky note or a screen annotation or something else. But right above that, unless you disable it, it will put an advert in for an app, a paid app. And if you turn it off, it will still give you a link to say, did you know there's more apps for the pen in a Microsoft store? And it's, ugh, I can see why they're doing it, but it just feels a little too in your face. It's a little too baked in. Imagine if iOS had the same thing, or it does, admittedly, in apps itself or the app store. But imagine the actual OS would pop up to say, did you know there's an app you can use here or something like that? At least they separate it off rather than having it baked in. And that's been a little bit irksome. And it's only getting worse with the creators update, which is coming out, uh, which hopefully we're not going to be rolling out in work, or at least if I can try to avoid it. So, yeah. Well, that's been, that's been my week. And your laggy dot, can you, can you turn that off? Can that be I, disabled in the preferences? I don't know. I can I can see why it's there because the dot is a certain amount away from where you hover the pen. And the closer your pen gets to the screen, the more closer the dot gets to the pen. But it doesn't actually go underneath the nib, if that makes sense. It's still sort of like up and off, right, uh, off to the right-hand side. And it just doesn't feel as accelerated as it should do or as smooth as it should do. And I think that's, that, like I say, that's what's been throwing me off about using it. The actual laptop itself is a nice bit of kit, although it does suffer from one slight problem, that when you've gone in its funky stand mode, you know, where you've got the little kick, flippy, flap thing out the back, you still right. have to hold it to write on it. It's so nicely polished that if you push the pen on it, you can actually push the tablet away from you. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. So you're right, the option is there if you keep the keyboard on there, but then you're keeping the keyboard on something that you want to use as a tablet. Kind of, I'm not sure there's a good solution for it other than putting it on a rubber mat, but then you've got to carry a rubber mat around with you. And yeah, but it's, it's all right. I've, I've actually, I've been trying to use it as in, if I'm on a phone call now, what I will do is instead of typing away on the keyboard, which seems to take up more of my minuscule processing power than that sorry it takes up more than enough of my small minuscule brain processing power i find that if i'm writing i'm a bit more coherent and cogent when i'm in the phone call cogent is that a malapropism again no it's not no not cogent is a perfectly good word yes i've got one right for once so yeah it's i'm still not sold on it I really am uh, using the pen in the actual OS itself seems uh, very flaky. Well, no, that's a wrong word. It's very hit and miss because it's still Windows Explorer. It's still the small icons. It's still tick these boxes, then press and hold to move things when you're using the pen. I'm still doing way too much of the button twirling. Um, I'm hoping I can find an app. Uh, other than OneNote that supports the pen to a decent level. But um, 
one of the things that they do tout is obviously drawing on the screen. And I thought, right, I'm going to go into Microsoft Maps. This is probably boring. Now. I, even I'm boring myself a little bit on this one. But anyway, you go into Microsoft Maps on, the, uh, on a Windows 10 device and you draw on the map to say, when you see this signpost and the owl in the tree and the, the, the hole in the floor and the barking dog, turn left. And it looks really, really smooth and nice and crisp and anti-lazed. When you finish writing, it goes all jagged instead of the other way round. So it really just does look like crap when you write on a Microsoft map using the pencils, uh, using the pen. Sorry. So I'm going to have a look at that this week. And I know it sounds really small and really petty, but, you know, when you're writing on something, you kind of want it to uh, to look all right. Anyway, yeah. so... <laughs> Uh, I've been using, and then this weekend I had the opportunity to use a 10 inch iPad pro and it was like, Oh, I love this. I'm very, very much sold on it. One day, one day, if anyone's one got day. a winning, anyone has the winning lottery numbers, they want to send them into the show. You can do so via at central Apple or at ocean speed. Uh, so yeah, on this Apple show, I've just ranted on for six minutes about using a surface pro. Woohoo. <laughs> right. So, where are we going to start with this one? It's a little bit out of my uh, wheelhouse, but yeah, the UK has had a bit of a problem. We've been hacked. Uh, well, and, uh, well, go on, take it away on this one. Well, actually, it's not just the UK, it's hit something like 99 countries uh, over the last few days. And from what I can determine, it's it's not a hack. It's not a quote-unquote cyber attack as such. It's a release of a rather aggressive ransomware, which, in the same way as Melissa or the I Love You or My Doom-type uh, infections of the past, has just spread like wildfire through uh, the vulnerable computers. Uh, and has caused chaos. But it, it's not, uh, I wouldn't personally describe it as a cyber attack in the sense that most people would think of a cyber attack being something targeted by some malicious agents. I mean, somebody's let loose this ransomware and, and it's, uh, to coin a phrase, gone bigly. Um, so much so, in fact, that Microsoft have... Uh, said they're going to release patches for what is known as custom support OSs, which uh, to the rest of us means obsolete, which is XP, Server 2000, and 2003, and uh, Windows 8 in order to protect them. This has always been a case of the inevitable happening, isn't it? Because I've been in so many companies now where they just will not upgrade their IT because it's a budget thing or the cost. And the cost always comes down to companies like CSC charging absolutely extortionately insane amounts for you know, turning over new hardware. And all the projects that come to the limelight now, these things take years and years and years of consultation to have another round of consultation. And by the time the actual hardware or the software, whatever gets down to the grassroots level, it's out of date already. I know a doctor's surgery round here that still uses Windows Vista. I've been in a couple of businesses where they're still using a mix of uh, XP and Vista. And you try and tell them, oh, you know, you've got to upgrade. 
and it's just not important to them. And I can see, and I'm actually surprised that these that this attack uh, has taken so long to happen. There was um, a, it's just a, this is the one where someone accidentally fixed it, wasn't it, or they accidentally found a way to stop it from spreading. Uh well, this this guy, this twenty twenty two year old uh, guy who does work as a, in security. Uh, he was digging in the code and he found that I believe all the uh, all the infections are pinging a particular domain. So as a way to try and see how far this uh, malware had spread, he decided to purchase said domain so that he could use that to see uh, where the infections were pinging from. But uh, accidentally... What he found was that as soon as he registered that domain and it went live, uh, that effectively disabled the uh, the ransomware. Now that doesn't mean it un it doesn't unlock the ones that have already been encrypted or whatever. What it means is that it stopped the infection spreading because it seems that new newly infected machines attempt to ping this domain. When they find that domain, they immediately shut off. Isn't it slightly worrying that with all the, the equipment that these places must have, with all the firewalls and with everything there, that it was one guy on, I think he was on the, he was actually on holiday. One guy. Yes, he was on his pack- holiday. <laughs> he actually just packet sniffed and went, oh, well, he didn't packet sniff or however he did it. And nobody else, the entire IT infrastructure support for the NHS system, which is, which you would think would have some pretty, good people there none of them thought to go right okay what's actually happening here that's the bit that scares me about this that you know all these millions of pounds put in for security and it was one guy in a bedroom who fixed it well and even he said you know that's that's no more than a temporary respite because whoever coded this can simply re-release it with a you know with that kill switch ripped out then you've got a much bigger problem. And apparently, was it this week as well? There's going to be what? The, what was I saw on Apple News in my blurry state of waking up on a Sunday morning? Uh, there's apparently Cyber Monday is going to hit us, not in a good way, uh, but apparently we've got to brace ourselves for more attacks. The problem here, a large part of the problem, is that the exploit that this uh, malware uses. This wanna cry ransomware exploits is one which was held by the NSA, leaked by this group called the Shadow Brokers. Microsoft have released fixes for all their supported OSs, but of course, some people don't apply the patches. The unsupported OSs, or at least those that, that are not being paid for so that's people running xp and eight and server 2003 that haven't got support contracts uh were unprotected and thus it it spread like wildfire there's not a lot else to be said really is no. there well i mean the only thing you could say is you know it was it was almost inevitable um as i as i as i tweeted earlier in the week Somebody leaks a document containing vulnerabilities and 
guess what? A few days later, people exploit said vulnerabilities to make a cyber malware infection. It's, t- t- um, you know, two and two and two. It is. Um, it, it is quite ironic that you know, the crazy old Uncle Donald Trump seems to be bang on the money here to say one, one of his manifesto pledgy thingies was to take a look at cyber cyber defense. It's kind of you gotta kind of wonder what would happen if they'd all been on Max. Is there one day? It's going to happen, isn't it? One day there's going to be a huge exploit found in the Mac. And let's, you know, let's not kid ourselves here. You know, the Mac does have a few vulnerabilities and it is out there, but it's still, I would say, it's still a little bit under the radar in terms of the amount of machines that people would want to attack for the reward versus uh, reward versus investment. Blimey, I'm stumbling. I've not even had a drink yet. Let's remedy that. Hold on. I I think that um I, i'm not sure that this claim you know that the mac doesn't get attacked because it's not a big enough uh target is only partly true because it, it's fairly well known isn't it that a, a large proportion of mac users are considered to be of a you know a higher income bracket uh, and I don't mean that in a snobby way. I mean that, you know, Macs are premium kit. They're not your 329 quid from wherever, basic. Before we started the show, I was in my local laptops. supermarket, and you can buy uh, a laptop now for, was it, £189? All right, it's not going to set the world alight, but it would do at a pinch. Uh, the, reason, the only reason I say it would do at a pinch is because you can work on cheap hardware. You really, really can. However, it's the um, it's the keyboard that just sucks on a lot of these things. I mean, I've got a Dell, I've got a Toshiba i3 here, and in many respects, it's more powerful than my uh, my i5 Mac Mini. Can't tell you why. It just does some things quicker, but you can't use it because the keyboard is just so absolutely dire. It's just absolutely awful. Well, obviously, if you're going to build something to a very cheap price point, you're going to have to make it out of the cheapest pieces you can lay your hands on. You know, in certain things, you get what you pay for, don't you? It's just the way it is. But yes, you can. So, But I still think that that if somebody could make a massive exploit and attack the Mac, they'd do it just for notoriety. Whether they could make any money out of it or not, I think... There are plenty of people out there who would do it just to say, let's wipe the smug smile off these Mac users' faces. You know what? That is a very good point. And you know what? Protection brings us nicely on to our next topic. We got sent something in the post. Uh, we got the Catalyst Apple Watch protective co- protective cover from CatalystLifestyle.com. That link will be in the show notes. You've installed yours. Uh, I haven't because it's just I. It would be one more distraction that I don't need this week, if that makes sense. Um. So, how long did it take you to install it? What's been your first impressions of it? Oh well, I mean, I've been using it for a week now. It comes in a rather nice box. It's uh, it's a mine's a black polycarbonate one. They also do one called something Danger Ranger, where the button and the crown are in a 
flame orange, and they do another one called pop green, where the where the shell is uh, a kind of mid grey, and the button and the uh, crown are in a, a bright green, uh, which was quite nice looking. But mine's what's described as stealth black, which it means it's a, a black case with black buttons and a black strap. Um, it's it comes in a box which has a flip open front so that you know in the store you can see what it is you're about to lay your money down for to fit it you take the straps off your apple watch you undo the screw in the uh, bottom of the uh, catalyst case and you pop the case apart um, and then you you place your apple watch into the neoprene skin which goes inside the uh, the case you pop that on then you put that between the two halves of the shell and then you push the shell together and put the screw in to hold it down making sure that the edge of the neoprene skin is showing all the way around to prove that it's been correctly uh, crimped um and there you go it's got uh, a nice black silicon uh soft touch strap with a stainless steel buckle now i'm not very outdoorsy i don't do rock climbing or kayaking or spelunking or you know i don't play paintball or get involved in anything where my watch is likely to take it at kicking but i have to say uh it was easy to easy to put the watch into easy uh, it comes with its own little screwdriver, by the way, so you don't have to worry about finding a fiddly little screwdriver to undo the screw or to do it back up. It's surprisingly less bulky than I thought it was going to be. Um, obviously, it adds bulk. Of course, it does. It's apparently waterproof to five, waterproof and dustproof to five atmospheres, whatever that means. It's got an IP68 rating, which means yes, uh, water resistant to a maximum depth of 1.5 meters for up to 30 minutes, and are protected from dust, dirt, and sand without any need for extra caps and covers. Um, I'm yep. ashamed to say this, but I've just got that from the Samsung website. Oh dear. <laughs> Yes, so it's then encased, obviously, in this black polycarbonate uh, military-grade protection, apparently, for, for uh, I think, it's covered, is the, the glass on the front of, you know, your touchscreen on your watch is not covered, but the case does sit, you know, half a millimetre, three-quarters oh, of a millimetre okay. proud. I... I thought it had like a weird film lens. I mean, if you're listening to this on your podcast player, hopefully you can see the artwork that I've bunged up there. So the actual touchscreen itself is still uh, accessible Naked. to the elements. It is the, your your touchscreen on your watch is left completely naked. There is nothing over the over the surface of the screen. And in and in terms of weight, does it add much weight to the actual um, to the no, watch one? I've 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 not noticed. I mean, my biggest concern was that I would notice the bulk and that it would feel heavy, and that maybe it would you know be troublesome to wear with a shirt or whatever. But to be honest, it it it's not. Um, I've I've had no problems with it. I've not noticed any. You know, I've hardly noticed it. 
be fair, which, you know, in terms of what it's it's there to do, is good. That's very good. I've not noticed it, and yet it, it's there. I, I don't think that I will continue to use it, I'll be fair. But then again, as I say, I don't do outdoorsy, sporty things where my might be at risk. If I did do any of those things, you know, if I was a rock climber or any of the things I've mentioned, or or even simply into uh, trekking or something, I might well be tempted to use it full time. I mean, for example, if you worked on a building site, perhaps you might want to wear, you know, or or somewhere else, you know, where you were a bit more exposed and at risk of bashing your watch. I mean, I sit at a desk working my Macintosh eight hours a day. That's not exactly a high-risk environment for an Apple Watch. So, uh, <laughs> you know, overall, I, 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 was, I was... It's only risk of pretentious artists and pretentious designy types that go, oh, oh um, that, no, that's a rant for a completely other time. You know, no, there's... It, it doesn't interfere with the um, magnetic charger. The neoprene skin on the back doesn't stop the charger from attaching magnetically. The, the skin doesn't affect the uh, heartbeat monitor or anything. So, it, yeah, it's very, very good. I forget the price. I think it's about £50, which I, I think is a little on the steep side. But, you know, then again, if you've paid good money for your watch and uh, you do things where it might be at risk then it's probably a good investment i i can't really fault it just having a look now on the website it's 59.99 if you're in the usa and it's 46.99 in the uk that is yeah that's a lot however the only thing i would say with this is that it doesn't protect the screen and as I found out from going, I've nursed my Apple Watch version 2 uh, because I know that the second you get a scratch on it, you can basically just knock off the entire retail value of the site by pretty much about a third. And so I don't know if the lack of a screen protector is, if that's well, going to be a deal breaker for me. But I d- uh, Don't forget, I mean, the case, as I say, the case sits proud of the glass. So, you know, to actually, you'd have to, to catch the glass, you'd have to catch it, you know, with a spiky, pointy object. Or a Pokemon, because you've got to catch it all with a Pokemon. <laughs> See, hip, hip, hip reference there for the kids. Well, I'm gonna, I might give mine a try next week. Um, one thing that well, I suppose I know one time this would have been handy is... Uh, when I'm, in, when I'm in the gym, oh God, that sounds pretentious itself, doing a bar in Bell and you've got weights and they, you got uh, what they call kettlebe- kettlebells, that's the word I'm looking for. And they come up and they can sort of knock against the side of the Apple Watch and I'm always like, blimey, got to be careful there. So yeah, I could, yeah, I could see the use for this, but like you say, that is a whole chunk of change, but I suppose it's better than spending money on replacing a broken or, you know, if it does anything to help protect the screen. Because like you say, yes, it does sit flush. So if you were to say you're going to reduce the chances of damaging and scratching the screen by knocking it into something. So yeah, uh, I'll tell you what, this seems as good as point of, of any. Let's, yes, let's go on to Nemo's hardware store because we've got a couple of nice stories coming up. Uh, what have we got from John this week? He says, scrolling around his multiple desktops yet again, trying to find a note. Uh, he has the Canex, Canex uh, Duraflex cable and uh, 
a couple of extra points about the uh, ultimate Bluetooth speaker and the multi-use flashlight from a couple of shows ago. Excellent. Right then, we're, so we'll be back in about three minutes after Nemo's hardware store. So, John, over to you. One of my favorite accessory companies is called Kenex or Kenex, K-A-N-E-X dot com. They have sent us a review, the Duraflex, D-U-R-A-F-L-E-X, premium USB cable with lightning connector. Comes in each of the five colors of the new Apple devices, a gold, a pink, a silver, and a couple of different shades of black. It's $25 in the U.S. It's four feet long or 1.2 meters. And this is the best USB lightning cable I have ever seen. We have received dozens for review, and all of them are good to a certain extent. This one knocks them all out of the competition. The outer case is metal. Previously, I preferred the ones that had a braided exterior, but this Duraflex metal cable is even better. Introducing Duraflex. This premium lightning cable is a durable yet flexible metal housing that offers premium protection. It will never fray and never tangle. It's just the right length. It's incredibly solidly built. You can loop it around. You can tie it in knots. You can do anything you want with it. And then you just shake it. And again, I wish this was a video podcast, but it just comes untangled. It hangs loose and you can connect it and you will love it. Now, it's just a cable, right? No, this is a cable that beats the Apple and all the other cables, beats the pants right off the competition. So please save up your euros or dollars or pounds or whatever your unit of currency is and find this Duraflex cable in your country. You will be glad you did and thank you to Connex for providing this for our review. I would like to add two interesting comments to the flashlight and the floating speaker that we reviewed a couple of episodes ago here on Nemo's Hardware Store. On the solar flashlight, and again, we will have the links just like we did in the past. The solar flashlight, if you press the button a certain way, it actually flashes really, really bright in different patterns and different configurations to be used for emergency as an emergency beacon for your rescuers to find you or the people to find you in the woods whenever you're having a party and you go off and you get drunk or whatever happens out there in the woods. But in addition to its three modes of flashlight, which are outstanding, if you press and hold the power button, and you'll see this in the instructions, and you hold it a certain other way, you get really, really bright and wild flashing again in different colors and patterns. The flashlight is even better than I thought it was. And the floating speaker is also even better than I thought it was because there's a little button on the bottom. You press this and the entire ring on the bottom of the floating speaker lights up. It's a brilliant LED illuminating ring with three different power levels. I put this in our local swimming pool at dark and people loved it. They said it was the best light they had ever seen in a swimming pool. So we've got the Duraflex cable from Canex. And we've got the solar flashlight and the floating speaker. And we'll have the links for you in our show notes 
on this edition of Essential Apple Podcast. Thanks a lot for listening. Back next week. Thank you, John, once again for another Nemo's Hardware Store. You'll be able to find all of this on the EssentialApple.com website and hopefully in your podcast player. We'll tweet them out. We'll put them on our social Google Plus thingy, our Slack room, for which you are all invited. Just drop us a line and we will give you uh, access to it and indeed our Twitter. And a big, big thank you. As I always say, after Nemo's Hardware Store, you can buy these products directly. Please support all these retailers. You don't have to go through Amazon. But I know a hell of a lot of you, like me, and this leads on nicely to our next segment, do use Amazon a lot. And if you are going to buy anything from Amazon... I would all encourage you sincerely to use our Amazon affiliate link because we get a very, very small bit of commission for whatever you buy. Socks, shoes, running gear, water bottles, power gels. You can see what I've been shopping. Uh, And of course, I shouldn't really be using the code myself because apparently that's a no-no. But you get what I mean. And I know you do use it. And from the bottom of my heart, it is very, very much appreciated. And a huge Extra special, big shout out to our lovely, lovely Patreon subscribers. You are awesome. And I don't say that enough on this show. You are awesome. Thank you very, very much. Now, the reason why Amazon links into our next story is we were looking at a story earlier on today. And I think this came originally from the Gruber about dropping the Tech 5. What tech giant would you use? It actually came from the New York Times. Originally, although John ah, yes, John yes, did it... uh, re- retweet it and uh, comment on it. It came originally from the New York Times, and uh, John Gruber did comment on it. And uh, it's an entertaining thought experiment. The idea is, of the big five, the inescapable five, as the uh, original journalist uh, coined it, there was Facebook, Amazon, Alphabet, a.k.a. Google, Microsoft and Apple, and the idea is to consider uh, in which order you would uh, chop these big five out of your life, and to some extent to uh, to justify it. And it, it is an interesting thought experiment. I, I put my thoughts in the uh, Google Plus um, and in the Slack room. Uh, and my my choice was, well, the first one was easy for me because I don't have anything to do with Facebook. I have no truck with uh, Mr. Zuckerberg at all. So Facebook is the first one that uh, I would lose because that's absolutely no trouble to me at all as I don't have anything to do with Facebook in the first place. Now, the second one, I decided to, uh, I could probably do without Amazon. Yes, I buy stuff from Amazon. Yes, I'm a Prime subscriber, so I get Amazon Music and I get Amazon Video. But, uh, you know, alternatives are available. I could do without Amazon. The thing with Amazon is what I've noticed. (laughs) It's quite funny because it takes me back to my old, you know, when I used to sell online days. If you go and find a product and it's, let's say it's from big box shifters, if you go on the line and then Google that company, more often than not, you can find it cheaper by going directly to them rather than purchasing through Amazon. Now, obviously, you've got the you've got to consider the postage and if you're a Prime subscriber. But I did this the other day. I went and saved. I know it's only two pounds, but it's the whole principle 
of saving a couple of pounds. And, you know, hopefully that company is going to make a little bit more money than selling through Amazon because Amazon charge a flipping load. You would not believe how much money they take off you if you want to sell on Amazon, which makes me wonder at times when you get all these people selling on there, they've actually done their math to get the the pricing right on there. Are you right there, Simon? You you sound like you're just about to, I need to order you a new lung or something. Uh, I've got this terrible, terrible, irritating, tickly cough, which um, gets me in in bouts. I get sudden attacks. And the trouble is, the more you cough, the more it makes you cough, and none of it does any good. Why not? It's Sunday afternoon. The only thing I don't like about having to go as where to instead of shopping with Amazon is just the fact that they've nailed it because it's so easy. You you've you're locked not locked in, but they've got your address, they've got your billing details, they've got shipping addresses, you've got your card. And when you go on and you want something very relatively quickly, in click done. Whereas if you go to another site, if you exactly. haven't been there before, you've got to go through the whole process of signing up, putting a password in, and then normally after you've registered for an account, it then asks you to log in. But I've just registered an account. I've just put my password in. Now you want me to go back to the screen that I started off after registering to put my username and password back in? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they've well, they've just taken the, you know, the, the supermarket megastore principle, haven't they? Once you've registered the first time and you've they've got your payment details and your shipping, as you say, and then you want something, you just hit Amazon. No doubt most of us have got it bookmarked. You hit Amazon. You type in what you want. You know there's a good chance it will be in there. You can compare what's available um, and go, I'll have that. And you just click, yeah, buy it. And, and it just says, you know, are all your details the same as usual? You click yes, and it's like your your product is on its way. So, yeah. I might actually try it. I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to get next time I have what next time I've got any money at all. I might give it a go and actually, yeah, you know, go down the more independent routes and see what, uh, yeah, see what you get. One thing I have noticed is that if you go directly, normally if they're any good at sales and marketing, you will get bombarded with you could have ten percent off this week and Eastern yeah, deals. Well, and- that's also another reason. I think that's also another reason why Amazon do so well because you may get occasional mails from Amazon, but you don't get bombarded with mail from every single seller of every single item you buy through Google, uh, you know, through Amazon, do you? No, I swear it's a, both a blessing and a curse. So that's, well, that's shopping, data, but the fact is, here's a question for you. When was the last time you used Google Shopping? Can you even do Google Shopping? Is that, is that a thing? Yep, if you go is that Google, a thing? If you go, on, <laughs> I suppose that answers it all, really. Uh, yeah, if you go onto Google and you click on the shopping tab, you can then sort of do a search through things. But in the computer world, everything is data feed driven, so you're going to find the same thing. I know. Years ago, there was a, they had a thing called Frugal, which didn't last very long. I don't think. Oh, right. Me, which yes. was the sort of Google shopping site, which was supposed to find you the best deal. But anyway. So having having discarded Facebook as something I don't use anyway, decided that Amazon was something that I could do without. That that wasn't too difficult. Then I came down to the last three. So um, I opted to say that I I thought right, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop Google. It was a toss up between Google and Microsoft, 
I have to admit. But Microsoft was my fourth one to go. Why did they beat Google? Uh, I think that was because, you know, I might not be a huge fan of Windows, but, you know, it's the majority operating system on the planet. So I I think it would be wise not to let go of that uh, unless you absolutely had to. No, uh, Microsoft is on the ascendant, I think, at the moment. They're reascendant. So, you know, I think there's a good chance that they will come out with something useful or groundbreaking in the next few years. And I don't feel that they're as uh, inclined to slurp up your data, although I know they're a lot more data slurpy than Apple. And then, of course, my last one was... Oh, they're very, very data slurpy Windows 10. It's it, the only saving grace I would give them about that is that at least you have options to say, right, don't track this, don't track that, uh, just leave me alone. So you do get a little bit of respite from Microsoft. It's not perfect, but at least it's not all or nothing. So that was that. So that was Microsoft, and then uh, yeah, obviously my last my last ditch was Apple because I live an Apple powered life and. Uh, no, if we got to the point where I had to give up Apple, well, I might as well go and live on a desert island. <laughs> so, so we, we, oh, blimey, where do, we, where do I cut? So we've got Dropbox. So I tend to use Dropbox, Google Drive, and Mega. I would switch to Mega, but I can't because part of my podcasting process, where I use Orphonic, doesn't support Mega, either for pulling in or pushing out. So I'm almost semi there would there is a slight workaround to it but then that just me doing things manually and that's not the point of me trying to do what i do i like to do automate all the manual tasks i use OneDrive a lot i must admit the microsoft OneDrive. uh in fact i probably use OneDrive more than i use google drive um i also use box yeah just interesting that none of us are saying um are saying icloud drive <laughs> well Oh, I do. What, what I was it called? Yeah, it's just it that it. Yeah, it just doesn't seem to have per- permutated. Is that right? Permutated. I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. The conscious. Um, That's I, I the think the word. biggest problem with 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 the iCloud is it's it it's too small, it's too pernickety. Um, it doesn't just work as a drive, does it? It's tied in to various other things, whereas. You know, Google Drive, OneDrive, Mega, Dropbox, and all the others, literally on the whole, are just like an extension of your of your hard drive. Well, I don't know if I can... I would say more, it depends on the app. Like, for example, I've spent my entire week this week living in Pixelmator, and you do anything with that, you create a new blank, uh, blank image, and immediately it starts chundering up to the cloud, and you end up saving it online. You can turn that off, you know. You can alter the. You should probably look at the options. Don't you know? You can have it not automatically select iCloud Drive as its uh, as its target. That would be quite, quite handy. Yeah, I think you should probably uh, yeah. because if you're on a you know if you're not on a great connect, it's lovely if you've got a fabulous connection that it's also you know that it's immediately copying your work onto the cloud but if you're not on a great connection no it's a total pain because every time you put a blob of ink on your on your uh, you know on your canvas in pixel mater were were clunk grind it's trying to pump it up to icloud so 
I should have a look at your options. Yeah, so. it's, it's not too bad. I, I, yeah, it's not too bad. I would give it a try. I mean, you've got Box.net, which, oh, blimey, I've realised I've actually got an account with them. That was touted. I've got a Box.net. Wasn't that just being touted as being one of the things that's just secure? Box.net is, uh, to be honest, fairly squarely aimed at, at businesses. It's a perfectly good service, but it, it, it doesn't, it's not really aimed at the kind of constant sinking idea in the same way as, say, Box or um, OneDrive or whatever is. Uh, I've got a drop. I've got a Box account because when it launched way back in the day, they uh, were giving away 50 gigabytes for life if you installed their iPhone app. So, you know. Me being the greedy collector of freebies that I am, I collected a free 50 gigabyte storage space for life. Yeah, it's kind of got me wondering now. Now I've remembered I've actually got one. It's like, ooh, what's actually in there? And as we've been talking about this, I've actually just swapped from Google and I'm going to give the duck a go for a week just to see what's going to happen there. Um, so if I had to switch from Dropbox to something else, I don't mind OneDrive. Microsoft OneDrive is very uh, good. I suppose, I suppose could go with... Uh, hmm. I suppose, I, I suppose if I had to go from one to another, I might just give Apple a try and that's quite a scary thing to say. I mean, it can't be any worse than my experience with my, with my AirPods. Um, so what else is on that list? So we've gone, we've done search, we've done storage. Facebook, I would drop that like a big, big stone. Oh, I cannot tell you my... Uh, nope, I am not going to have a rant because we're going to keep this show nice, civil and almost to a manageable level after the epic show that was last week. But yes, um, I would drop that like a stone. Just looking on the New York Times site. So in order of what's been dropped first, 56% of people would first drop Facebook. 22% would drop Microsoft. 10% would drop Apple. 6% Amazon. 5% Alphabet dropped last, which I don't quite understand so i'm guessing this is the other way around the things that people would drop last would be alphabet apple amazon microsoft and then facebook so a lot of people want to hold on to no because it's it's like only one percent of people held on to facebook till the end if well what what they've got if when you get to the end of the document so 56 percent of people who filled in the survey have opted to drop Facebook first as probably right. And then yep. you get to the other end and it's fairly close at the other end. The, pe- the, the one that people want to hold on to the most is either Google at 39% or Apple at 34%, which to me, which to me says that your choice of mobile platform pretty much says that's the last thing you're going to let go of. So. The last thing that people want to let go of if they're in the Apple ecosphere, obviously, is Apple. If you're in, you know, if you're an Android user, then pretty much the last thing you want to let go of is your is your Google slash Alphabet Android connection. 
So I think what that shows more than anything yeah. that, you know, these days your choice of mobile platform is one of the most important things in your tech life. So it is an interesting thought experiment and good fun. The one thing I sort of have noticed is that I'm, I'm almost lapsadaisical now with resetting my phone or doing a complete wipe because I used to have complete and utter faith in that everything on my phone would be backed up. And I did a wipe the other week when I was trying to get those AirPods working and I actually lost a few documents. And I know I've done the process before where I reset my phone, but Lord knows when that document's gone. So I, I, yep, I think you've nailed it there. Uh, yeah, we, well, blimey, we've got a lot to cover on this show, but I'm not feeling too great and I've got to train for next weekend. And from the sounds of the things I'm about to edit out, you're not doing too well, too well either. So I think we're going to, yeah. So in fact, we'll do a teaser for next week's show. So I'm going to be editing this show with the Contour Shuttle Pro version 2, which is a nice little shuttly edity type thing with about one, two, three, four, five, seven, 10 buttons, 14 buttons on it, fully programmable. So I'm going to see how long it takes me to edit a show. And who's your man who does the screencast online? What's his name? Uh, what, Don McAllister? That's the one. He uses one as well. So I'm going to spend a week with mine and see how I get on. So tune in next week to see how I'm going to get on with the Shuttle Pro version 2. Right then, I think I'm going to call it today. It's uh, it's beautiful outside still. The temperature is, is a balmy 16 degrees. And even though I did see some people walk to the supermarket with woolly hats and big jumpers and a scarf on... I'm going to go out so I enjoy a bit of sun. So thank you, Simon, once again for coming on the show. And uh, I know you've not been well this week, so thank you for coming on. How are they going to find you if they want to get a hold of you, good sir? Uh, well, as usual, you can find me on the Twitters as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. And, of course, you can reach us on EssentialApple.com and... Uh, on the Twitter and the Facebook and the Google Plus. And uh, if you want to join the Slack, just ask us. Yeah, and a big hello to everyone in the Slack room. Sorry I've not been in there for the last week or two. All will become clear shortly. And on that note, if if you want to contact... Uh, oh, blimey, so I just got distracted then. Something flew past my window. I think I've got a bit of ADHD coming on. Right, let's get out of here. If you want to follow me, you can get hold of me at EssentialApple.com. There may be a show next week. I'm not sure because I'm going to be cycling and it depends what time I get back on the Sunday. So keep tuned on EssentialApple.com on the Twitter as well. We're on the Facebook, we're on the Google Plus, we're wherever we can shill our wares. So until next week, cheerio, everyone. See ya. Looking for a podcast to get your geek on? Then listen to my favorite ladies podcast, The Three Geeky Ladies. Join Alyssa, Suze, and Vicky as they discuss tech products and other topics that caught their attention. The Three Geeky Ladies podcast, on the My Mac Podcasting Network.